0: Sitting comfortably? Good. Then we'll begin.
1: Hello and welcome. This is Box 39 Red Button, Later Evening Conversation, live from Studio One at Cone Radio Towers, 106.6 FM, Cone Radio. I'm Adrian Cohen and welcome to another edition of Red Button Orbits. Where under the curatorship of you, our listeners, we take a circular tour of music, starting and finishing at the same point. What we listen to is completely up to you, because it is you that will make the links and find the connections. Our musical rotunda must have associations, however unusual, unexpected or obscure or inscrutable. Think of the next hour as like a happy wander around a gorgeous yurt of sound. Not obvious in design, and probably going to have a few bits you weren't expecting. So, let me know what you want the next path to be in our journey. You will be my guide, and you will deliver my OS Music Map references. You are in control. This show's theme is Turning, proposed by Johnny Stanway from Brightlingsea. So, let's begin Turning... At the beginning, with a song called "Keep Me Turning." Rivers getting higher.
2: No wood for the fire. They saw the Messiah, but I guess I missed him again. That brings my score to 110. The water's getting closer. Better ring up. Stack up the potatoes. Or, Jack, are you ever coming back? Will you? Like you're walking out. I guess the lords were in glasses now. Keep me.
1: was Keep Me Turning, written by Pete Townsend and Ronnie Lane, and it appeared on Rough Mix, an album by the Who's guitarist Townsend, and former Small Faces and Faces bassist Lane. The album was released in September 1977 and peaked at number 44 on the UK album chart. Pete Townsend had been initially contacted by Ronnie Lane to produce his next album. The project instead turned into a full-blown collaboration between the pair. Lane expressed an interest in a songwriting collaboration, but Townsend, who has very rarely co-written songs, was unwilling. The instrumental title track is credited to both musicians, however. The album featured songs written by both principals in a vein less like that of The Who, or Faces, but instead close to the British folk rock vogue of the early 1970s among various English bands. And I've had a text here from Vivian Vash challenging me to create a link from Keep Me Turning to Joan Armour Trading. And I can do it. I spotted it. The drummer on this track was Enrico Antonio Giorgio Spinetti, also known as Henry Spinetti. He's a Welsh session drummer whose playing has featured on many prominent rock and pop albums. He played on this song, for example, which is called Kissin' and a Huggin'.
3: see. You know I talked of loving and you talked of love to me. We sat down on the rubber shelter and talked of other things. But bit by bit by bit by bit it came round again. How much in love are we? It was a fight. Buy-
1: was kissing and hugging from Show Some Emotion, which was the fourth studio album by British singer-songwriter Joan Trading released in 1977, and which reached number six in the UK Albums Chart. Jeff Nidge has texted me and suggested that I shouldn't be relentlessly positive. Hmm, okay then. Well, Dave Connolly, the rock critic, wrote that he did not enjoy the album as much as her previous self-titled album from 1976, declaring that much of it was like outtakes from the previous album. He criticized the lyrics and arrangements as well as the track placement. However, he did praise the now well-known tracks Show Some Emotion and Willow as highlights. Armour Trading's 1979 live album, Stepping Out, included a performance of Kissin' and a Huggin'. Uh, Now, Maureen Scoff has sent a text challenging me to shift from Wales to the USA with the best link, and I think I can, because the drummer on that tour was not Welshman Henry Spinetti, the one on the album, but Richie Hayward, who was a prolific session drummer who played for the likes of Eric Clapton, Ray Cooder, Bob Dylan, Barbara Streisand, Carly Simon, and many more besides. Aside from that, Richie Haywood was the founding member and drummer in the marvellous band Little Feet in the USA. Now, for that band, he didn't write many songs, but here's one he did, with the assistance of keyboardist Bill Payne, and it's called Tripe Face Boogie. was Tripe Face Boogie from Little Feet's second album, 1972's Sailing Shoes. The lead singer and slide guitarist of the band at that time was Lowell George, who met keyboardist Bill Payne when George was a member of Frank Zappa's Mothers of Invention. Now, I've got a text here from Susan Pilsner with a suggestion that I link Little Feet to Frank Zappa. Well... That's what I've done, I think, already. But there are three stories about the genesis of Little Feet. One has it that George showed Zappa his song Willin, and that Zappa fired him from the Mothers of Invention because he felt that George was too talented to merely be a member of his band and told him he ought to go away and form his own band. The second version has Zappa firing him for playing a 15-minute guitar solo with his amplifier turned off. The third version says that Zappa fired him because Willin contains drug references, and George later claimed that he was asked to leave the band for writing a song about dope. Anyway, George was with Little Feet from 1969 until his death in 1979, shortly after the release of Thanks I'll Eat It Here, his only solo album. Here is a song called 20 Million Things, which he wrote for that album.
0: of experience, when gets spent, all the letters never written, don't get sent, it comes from confusion, all the things i left undone, it comes from moment to moment, day to day, yeah time seems to slip away cause I've got twenty million things to do twenty million things all I can do is think about you with twenty million things twenty million I've got mysterious, mysterious, and there hanging in the air the rocking chair I was supposed to fix. Well, I came on dead, and all the things that I let slip, I found that I quit. It comes from moment to moment today, today yeah, your time seems to slip away cause I've got twenty million things to do twenty million things all I can do is think about you with twenty million Twenty million
1: was the Lowell George song, 20 Million Things, performed by Sean Lakeman and Catherine Roberts, two British folkies who recorded it in 2015. Catherine Roberts first released a collection of songs by various South Yorkshire folk artists, which also included her friend Kate Rusby. They went on to record the critically acclaimed eponymous album Kate Rusby and Catherine Roberts in 1995, which was voted Album of the Year by F Roots magazine. They then formed Equation, which the Interwebs, reliably informs me, were a young Devon-based folk supergroup formed in 1995, which combined the core talents of the two South Yorkshire folk artists with the Lakeman Brothers. Luca Vidic has texted me, pleading that I don't play a track by equation because, he writes, he's been listening to their albums all day. I shall oblige, Luca. So, the Lakeman Brothers, who were an English folk music trio in their own right, consisting of Sean Lakeman, Sam Lakeman, and Seth Lakeman, which strikes me as being a huge and unlikely coincidence. Anyway, they released one album, Three Piece Suite, in 1994. Seth went on to have success as a solo artist, particularly with his Mercury Prize-nominated second album, Kitty J, in 2004. I'll play the first track of that album. It's a traditional tune called John Lomas.
4: Three times I struck a mouth at his head My first murder I got so come from Was condemned to i am condemned to die.
1: That was John Lomas by Seth Lakeman, and it was about Bishop John Lomas, one of the Canterbury martyrs in the 16th century, who were executed for heresy in Kent, one of the last English Protestants burnt during the reign of Mary I. His great-great-great-great-grandson was a different John Lomas who was the New Zealand coal miner, trade unionist and public servant who lived from 1848 to 1933. And there is a text here from Lord David Price who has reminded me of what he asked me to do here. So, the Kiwi John Lomas was in turn the father of another John Lomas who was an outstanding schoolboy cricketer at charterhouse school he captained the school team in 1936 leading them through the season unbeaten against other schools and inflicting Eton's first loss to another school since 1920. he was awarded a scholarship to oxford university where he won blues for both cricket and football and he was the secretary of both clubs and i am reading from lord david price's text here Charterhouse, an education that lasts a lifetime. And also, you can take a pupil out of Charterhouse, but you can't take Charterhouse out of a pupil.
3: The atmosphere is very bubbly. It's a very welcoming environment. That's what I'm talking about.
1: Wait! Okay, now, from the beginning.
4: It's like coming home. There's a massive
0: breadth of options.
4: I think for many teachers and students it's a
5: very close relationship.
4: If we have an issue we can go to them whenever we need to, so it's nice to be able to just know that
5: they're there to support us.
0: They're always willing to help. I definitely feel like I'm going to get so much out of this school. There's a broad range of talents, but also the teachers really try and push you as far as you can go and get the most out of your potential.
2: We are academically focused, but that does not mean that the academic programme is everything we do. And that's really important to us.
4: Charthouse doesn't think that academics is the only thing that makes you a Carthusian.
6: Everyone's so nice and everyone's so friendly. It really does feel like, feels like family.
2: The boarding environment though provides the opportunities for developing all those human skills that we know are going to be so important in the future.
4: It's just a happy environment and everyone's really accommodating.
0: Everyone just feels really connected. This will always be a part of my life.
4: Go for it, I'd say just fling yourself straight into Charterhouse life. I've
5: gotten better at time management. Skills like teamwork and leadership.
3: You may leave Charterhouse, but Charterhouse will never leave you. I don't think it's ever going to leave me.
1: During that advertisement for which I was paid £20 to play it, Kaylee Ratzer suggested that I sift through the list of Charterhouse alumni to create a link to the next song, and I did. Carl Wallinger, born 19th of October 1957 in Prestatin, Wales, is a musician, songwriter, and record producer who, like the members of Genesis, went to Charterhouse School. He is best known for his mid-1980s stint in The Waterboys and then for leading the band World Party. He also wrote and originally released the song She's The One, which was later covered by Robbie Williams and became a hit single, which I imagine made him an absolute lit of money. Wallenger is a multi-instrumentalist, which enables him to do demos and record the bulk of World Party's material as a one-man band. And although he is right-handed, he plays a right-handed guitar upside down and left-handed. Yes, I think I've got that right. The first World Party album was Private Revolution, which came out in 1986. He had left the Waterboys after the terrific This Is The Sea album, which came out in 1985, because he had more to offer the world than to simply be Mike Scott's bass player and arranger. Now, I've just got a text here from Dak Rambo, not the actor from Knotts Landing in the 1980s, he stresses, who says, do not pick the obvious track off the album. So, fair enough. I was going to play the really famous song from Private Revolution, which is Ship of Fools, but I have chosen, instead, at Dax Urging, the title track, Private Revolution, which, incidentally, has Sinead O'Connor singing backing vocals. That was private revolution by charterhouse alumni carl wallinger another alumni from the school is ex-genesis frontman peter gabriel and he collaborated with wallinger in a project called big blue ball which ended up being an album by multiple artists which grew from three recording weeks he says at peter gabriel's real world studios in the summers of 91 92 and 95. now For the next idea, for a link, it comes from Will Gnome, with a G, via text, who challenged me to circle back to Sinead O'Connor if I can. And uh, all I can say is, great minds think alike, Wilf. Track six on Big Blue Ball is Everything Comes From You, which was written and sung by Sinead O'Connor. The lyrics go as follows. Oh, and I hear a text has come in. I'll have a look at that after I read this. One, two, three, four, five, blue, six, indigo. I'm your daughter, your mother is my mother, and my voice is raised, giving you thanks and praise. I appeal to you, Lord. Uh, Excuse me, I've got a bit of gas. Uh, To stop war, stop terror, stop war. Everything comes from you. Everything goes to you too. Well, that sounds good to me.
6: Your mother is my mother, and my voice is raised, giving you thanks and praise. I appeal to you, Lord, to stop war, stop terror.
1: Everything Comes From You by Sinead O'Connor from Peter Gabriel and Carl Wallinger's Big Blue Ball Project and that text was from Pamela Coggs who has corrected me to say that it was co-written by Sinead O'Connor and Japanese composer Joji Hirota who plays assorted percussion and flutes, recorder and shakuhachi. And I think in anticipation of that, here's a text from Trevor Pins, who points out that there's a way to circle back to the list of Charterhouse alumni with this. And yes, uh, Trevor, I'm one step ahead of you. Of course, Anthony Phillips, former Charterhouse pupil and an original, albeit relatively short lived member of Genesis, made an album with Joji Hirota in 2007 called Wildlife. Okay, I have received a text from Yuri Osaka, who says, The name shakuhachi means 1.8 shaku, referring to its size. It is a compound of two words. Shaku is an archaic unit of length equal to 30.3 centimetres, and subdivided into ten subunits. And hachi means eight. Here, eight sun, or tenths of a shaku. Thus, the compound word shakuhachi means 1 shaku 8 sun, 54.54 centimeters, the standard length of a shakuhachi. Other shakuhachi vary in length, from about 1.3 shaku up to 3.6 shaku. Although the sizes differ, all are still referred to generically as shakuhachi. Well, thank you, Yuri Osaka, for your text. But I do have to say that really was probably too much information. And here is Web of the Spider Monkey from Wildlife, an album by Anthony Phillips and Joji Hirota. That was Web of the Spider Monkey from an album called Wildlife by Anthony Phillips and Joji Hirota. But I received a text from Nikki Beggs, sister of the Katagugu bass player, saying that the track was mostly a Joji Hirota thing, with him using a 54.54cm shakuhachi. So she says I should play a full-on Anthony Phillips track, and so I shall. Thanks for the suggestion, Nikki Beggs. In July 1970, Phillips left Genesis after three years and just two albums, citing his worsening stage fright. He immediately began to write new material on the 12-string guitar after leaving the group, and he set up a studio in his parents' home. Having put down these early ideas, Phillips began to take a greater interest in classical music. At one point, he listened to a piece, Sibelius, and had one of those strange revelations and realized he was terribly limited and narrow as a musician. Phillips tackled this by halting development on his songs and taking lessons in piano and classical guitar, and studied orchestration and harmony over the course of the following four or five years at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama in London. So it wasn't until 1977 that he came out with his first solo album, The Geese and the Ghost. This was during the rise of punk, making its quasi-classical progressive rock compositions remarkably ill-suited to the contemporary market. And to make things worse, The Geese and the Ghost wasn't a phenomenal album that didn't make it because of punk. It just wasn't very good. It failed to chart in the UK. Anyway, here is a track called God, If I Saw Her Now. form is taught music and encouraged to appreciate music on a broad basis everybody has a chance to, to study an instrument and to play in ensembles um, and of course there are a huge number of ensembles so that there's a lot of choice we do have musical opportunities here for everybody and i think one of the most moving
4: things that we can do here is to inspire pupils musically
6: I've seen since then, since then, since
1: then, God, if I saw her now. That was God, If I Saw Her Now by Anthony Phillips from 1977. Now, the vocals on that were the work of Vivian Jill McAuliffe. She was an English singer and songwriter best known as lead singer of English jazz rock fusion band Affinity and as a founding member of Principal Edwards Magic Theatre while at the University of Exeter. They produced two albums while McAuliffe was still a member, Soundtracks in 1969 and the Asmoto Running Band in 1971. Then, after quitting, she joined Affinity. However, they never released a studio album. McAuliffe went on to sing with various bands around London. She also sang on many records with artists such as Jerry Rafferty on his album City to City, Patrick Moraz, while he was still a member of the progressive rock band Yes!, singing on his first two solo albums, The Story of I and Out in the Sun, and ex-members of Genesis, including Phil Collins and obviously Anthony Phillips on The Geese and The Ghost. Somehow, and I don't know exactly how, McAuliffe ended up co-writing track three on side two of the album I Can See Your House From Here, which was the seventh studio album by English progressive rock band Camel, released in 1979. It's called... NEON MAGIC was Neon Magic by Camel, a song written by Vivian Jill McAuliffe, guitarist Andrew Latimer, and keyboardist Jan Shellhas. Although she did not sing on it and never joined the band, so I'm not really able to find out how she came to be involved. Perhaps if someone knows, they could text me. However, I suspect that the song was written two years earlier in 1977, and that they were playing it in a rehearsal room in Elstree in London and were overheard by Pete Townsend, who was rehearsing with Ronnie Lane in the next room along. It's thought that one of the chord changes in Neon Magic inspired one of the chord changes Townsend used in Keep Me Turning, which later that year appeared on the album Rough Mix. And so, to come full circle, we know that Ausgang Exit has been playing a cover version of Keep Me Turning in their live shows in North East Essex for many years. And here it is, for the first time on Cone Radio, giving us one complete orbit, as promised, thanks to the assistance of you, the listeners, a rendition of Keep Me Turning, played by Ousgang Exit.
6: is a guppy production for Colne radio and is committed to a varied equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience